Um, all right, welcome back to another episode of Duke Basketball Junkies. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Michael Eckstadt. My co-host, Peter Rowe, is on the phone. We are uh, not in person once again. Peter is still traveling for holidays. How's it going, Peter? Mike, it's been a long time since I've seen your face. I know, I miss you, buddy. <laughs> um, I'm a little bit tired. It's been a long travel day, one of many in November, but I did watch the end of the game, and uh, hey, I love talking to Coops. And you only watched the end of the game today? Yeah, so basically I was leaving Vegas at 2.30. I was able to watch the first 10 minutes when the plane took off. We were down 40 to 31. And so that was a very interesting plane ride. I'm up in the air for like three and a half hours just wondering what's going on. And then I touch on it. And I'm not like you. I don't I don't need to not know the ending and then try to watch watch the replay. I just I, I go straight to ESPN and see what happened. And I saw we lost by two. And I'm thinking, like, that must have been one hell of a game. It was. It was a, it was a great game. Uh, Gonzaga you know, is amazing. You, you actually missed sort of, I think, you know, most of the worst part of the game. If you were able to catch the last, you said you were able to catch the last 10 minutes somehow? No, no, no. Now? no, no. Um, so I basically saw the first 10 minutes of the game. And then when I landed, I was able to watch the remainder of it. Oh, okay. Um, so you did get through to the, through the through the game. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... You know, basically, uh, Duke goes down to Maui, where we always win, <laughs> by uh, some fate of, of general luck and uh, talent. But we uh, we actually had a really tough slate of games in three straight days. Uh, San Diego State, which is a, a really good team, uh, we beat. Uh, they played well, I thought, but we still beat them pretty easily. Yeah, then, I, thought, uh, I thought we beat them very convincingly. Um, yeah. yeah. Good. And and I didn't think we, we played our best basketball. And give credit to them. They were a pretty good defensive team. Yeah. Uh, credit to all three of these teams just off the bat. Like, they all showed up ready to play, not intimidated. Uh, they had, you know, experienced teams with good coaches, and uh, they all played I, well. I love – I love Bruce Pearl. I love that guy. I loved it when he painted his his chest orange when he was in Tennessee. I loved like the pregame stuff. I mean, it's basically sauced up a bit because the TV cameras were on him. But I just, yeah. I mean, I, I love that guy. He's hilarious. Yeah, I like this halftime interview. Uh, you know, Auburn gave us a heck of a run. You know, and they were they, they were seemingly maybe almost out of it a few times. We were sort of comfortably ahead yeah. a lot of the game, and then it got tight at the end. Yeah, no, right. So, so in that game, um, I think they hit a three at the buzzer to make it seem closer than it was. But yeah. even though they got sort of close, I never really felt like that game was 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 close. But I mean, their team was very good. It's a top ten team. Good shooters. Um, that was Marquise Bolden's coming out party. He had. He looked freaking ferocious. It was exactly what I was hoping. You know he would do. Just <laughs> All being, right, we'll get the Bolden. We will get the Bolden. Being a great rim protector, he's still sort of stiff and and clumsy and blah blah blah. But I mean that's that's what we need. We need an, an athletic seven footer. 
and then he just came came crashing down to earth today when he just got exposed on uh, Ball Street. Well, I disagree, and we'll get into it. I I think he, he is not exactly what we need. I thought it was sort of fool's gold against against Auburn uh, because you know he he played great. Credit to to Marcus Bowman. That was his best game he's ever played by far at Duke. Uh, seven blocks. A lot of them were timely blocks. His rotations were were really good most of the game. Yeah. Uh, he he was responsible for some some glaring mistakes in that game that also cost us baskets. But overall, he had a big positive impact in the game. Just showed why anyone ever thought he was a one and done. A lottery pick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that that and and we've been waiting to see that, right? I also, but I, I really thought Auburn's tiny little guards continuing yeah. to drive right, yeah. right in the not because pulling it, up and driving like like I feel, it, feel like they gifted him some of those blocks. Yeah, but he, it wasn't he gets credit. Right? It wasn't just him because Jack White was swatting their attempts yeah. at layups also. So maybe it was a function of their small, undersized guards going up repeatedly for ill-advised layups. They had a lot of balls. Uh, And the reason they they hung in the game is they just kept making super difficult sort of step-back threes. Uh, And they're talented, and they're quick. Um, And, uh, you know, we partially won the game because of Bolden's defense down the stretch. But I think we we win the game even if he's not not in there. But uh, then against Gonzaga, you're right, he's got – Toasted. He couldn't couldn't stay on the court, but um, I don't want to make it all about him. Uh, we we play a really really tough game that is worthy of of uh, of our you know attention and analysis. I'm talking about a lot of good stuff in there, but you know we do come away with a loss. Uh, I want to sort of mention another game that that it reminds me of, and it's. Uh, it's well, another ninety-nine team. Oh, I was going to say, let me guess, because I would have guessed that game against Cincinnati, right? Yeah, uh, it was also a Thanksgiving tournament. I don't, it wasn't Maui. Uh, it was it was the Great Great Alaska Shootout, which I I was actually thinking about recently today. If it still goes on, I don't think it does. I think it, I think it does. I think they moved it to the to the Christmas break, maybe. Okay. Uh, but but yeah, it was a Great Alaska Shootout. We had our mo- our deepest, most dominant, talented team with. Elton Brand, Corey McGetty, Shane Battier, the works, Trajan Langdon, all these guys, Nate James, Chris Carrowell, you know, Chris Burgess, Willie Avery. And uh, that was the only game we lost that year until the finals, which was a super close game against UConn. And the game against Cincinnati was close. I think we lost right at the buzzer. And if I remember, we, we made a shot to tie it or win it just after the buzzer Went. Is that right? I feel yeah. like we lost either seventy-seven, seventy-four, or something in that in that range, like a two or three-point game. Yeah, it was really uh, that team. That close. team was led by uh, Kenyon Martin, I believe, and maybe they one Kenyon other, Martin. They one other Pete Michael. Player. Do you remember Pete Michael? He was no. a really sick, athletic, big, big. You know, uh, he he was really good. He was like. Uh, they had a guy named Levitt. They had a guard named Levitt. Yeah, it's not important. But yeah. uh, they were a pretty talented, pretty really talented team. They, they ended up – they were top ten all year. Um, and let me, as, let me, as formidable as, as Gonzaga was today. I mean, Gonzaga actually is a little bigger of a pedigree. But 
what I liked about that and what it meant for that season is it gave them something to work off of, and it kind of shrunk their heads a little, and they didn't lose another game until the finals. So, you know, three games stretch, three games, three days. I, I don't think the takeaway should be to hem and haw and be too upset about the result here. But what I like is that there really is a lot of stuff that that was pointed out by by the by the gameplay and the coaching strategy. Um, what were we gonna uh, yeah. say? Yeah, um, yeah. I was actually gonna ask you if you are comparing this Duke team to the '98-'99 team, sort of based out of an optimism that we're going to run the table until the title game. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't think we, you know, I wouldn't bet on it, right? I wouldn't bet that we're going to run, run the yeah. table, you know, for the entire rest of the regular season. Carolina looks like they have a really talented team. Virginia's going to be game. There's other teams in the ACC that are strong. I mean, it, Clemson's good. Uh, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to have to play a lot of tough road games. We're going to play some tough home games. So I don't know how many games we're going to win or lose, and just guessing is sort of pointless. But I think the test of the season now is going to be, and this is for the coaches and the players, the stars and the role players, it's to take the lessons that we learned over the last three days and, or, you know, and improve, right? Yeah. Can, can we more consistently box out? Can we make sure we get back on defense even, even better? Can yeah. we, can we have the right personnel in? You know, can the, can the coaches run more? Did you, did you think more it was weird that, that we play less hero ball? Do you think it was weird that Cam Reddish was not in the game when we were down two and we had all those opportunities to score? He's our best shooter. He's six foot eight, tough to block one of his jump shots. I know he'd been struggling this game, but he was in and Jack White and Javon Delorier were in. Bizarre. Bizarre. Right? Yeah. Totally yeah. bizarre. You know, R.J. Barrett, the decision-making down the stretch, I mean, he yeah. just took over possessions. He was a black hole. The ball, he wasn't passing. And he, right. had, so, he had sort yeah. of proven throughout the game. I mean, Gonzaga had proven they were able to double, triple our, our penetrators. And anyone who was kind of trying to take too much on their shoulders, and Trey Jones did it a couple of times. I, I thought he played a really good game. But a couple yeah. of times down the stretch, Zion early, he kind of learned his lesson early, I think, and stopped trying to force it. And Barry, and even Reddish. Reddish did it a few times. And, I mean, the fact that we only lost by two points, and I thought all those guys like made so many bad decisions to put the try to do that hero ball thing. Yeah. Um, the spacing wasn't great because we always almost always had Javin or Marquise close to the you know close to the basket, and their man was consistently doubling, and we weren't able to capitalize on that. Um, right. it, it was a hindrance all, all game. I thought it was pretty clear. And we had talked about it, me and you, like earlier in the season, or maybe I talked about it with Devin if, if you listen to it. But you know, I think it's an issue—the spacing when you have those guys. When, when you have guys that aren't threats to shoot, then uh, people can shoot in. So even if they aren't standing on the low block, uh, Gonzaga very, very liberally cheated over, doubled, and they were really good at it too. They did a great job. Yeah, I thought one one. I think we should just give a ton of credit to Gonzaga. I think they're fantastic. I think they. I mean, obviously it's early in the season, but it seems like they're going to be the one seed out west, and they they're probably going to have a better record than we are since we play in a 
a tougher conference. Um, yeah, they were they were good they were good offensively. They were good defensively. But to go back to your um, let's let's stick with RJ. Um, like after the Kentucky game, I said he was warming up to me, and I mean it's a weird thing to say when he's pretty much the best player in college basketball. Um, but the the reason I felt like instinctively. I wouldn't warm up to him initially is because I, I just can't stand high volume and efficient scores. And in this tournament, he was five of 14. He was seven, seven, of, 20. Of, seven yeah. of 20 and then nine of 25. I mean, those are like, True. I mean, <laughs> that's, and the thing, and the thing is, is he's still so ridiculously good. If he would simply sort of stick to his strengths, which is, even in this Gonzaga game, in the maybe the middle portions of the game, he was attacking the basket all the time, drawing fouls, um, making buckets. I just he's he's doing a little bit too much. I, I felt like even at the end of the of the last four minutes of the Auburn game, there were some open teammates that he either wasn't seeing or he decided not to pass to them, and that was also true at the end of this game. Um, absolutely. I mean, you're absolutely right. He, he's put too much on his shoulders when he didn't have to. He played, by the way, he played basically, you know, like every minute of the Auburn and Gonzaga game. Yeah. The ball was in his hands for every big possession down the stretch. Right. And he wasn't he wasn't really looking. It was the other guy standing around a bit and watching him because what else are they going to do? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I don't know. We talked about it last year and the year before how it's odd that they don't run more sets, especially right. on big possessions. Down the stretch, I did notice they tried to run a couple pick and rolls with, with RJ and Zion, yeah. but it wasn't looking to, to sort of work that. He, these guys kind of seem to want to isolate and break people down one-on-one, and it, it just seemed very predictable down the stretch of this game. And by the way, it still kind of worked a lot of the times. They scored 87 points against a really good defensive Gonzaga team. Uh, but you're right. RJ's efficiency, it's, I mean, he's going to have he's 120 minutes of tape from this, this week, and, I, and I, I bet you he's yeah, I bet you he'll. Yeah, I mean, of course he's gonna he's he's gonna beat you know, himself up over it, and yeah, he's, like, he's gonna learn. And and it, and looking over the box score, I, I see we only had nine assists. I, I mean, that's pretty low for us for a team that passed the ball so well early in the season. I felt like, like you said, in this game there was a lot of hero ball, especially at the end. And um, not even just at the end too. Like you know, first half. I mean, all throughout the game, they, they didn't they didn't really look for each other. Um, consistently, and yeah. c- c- compare that to Gonzaga, who really moved the ball around well, you know, and 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 just look, you know, found they they passed up good shots for better shots, and we yeah. we didn't do that for yeah, you know, we didn't shoot enough open threes like Jack White's there for open threes. Alex O'Connell wasn't in the game, but. I saw, I saw, I saw. Very interestingly, O'Connell went in for a good three, four minute stretch to start off the second half. Um, he took one three and missed it. Um, I think Cam Reddish picked up probably an early foul, and that's why he he must have sat and Coach Gay stuck him in. Um, yeah, but I mean, it was it was not a good three point shooting. We didn't we didn't take a ton of threes. Um, five of thirteen. Yeah, we a lot of the threes. Oh, 
Yeah, a lot of it, especially it seemed like maybe just the end of the game, is much, it's, it's more fresh in my mind. Uh, it was just a lot of um, contested twos that obviously didn't go in. It's too bad. It's too bad. Because yeah, I mean, all we there, there were a lot of them. possessions that, that, uh, that we forced shots. And, you know, we didn't turn the ball over much. I'll tell you that. You know, we did not. We took care of the ball. Uh, yeah. We rebounded on, on the offensive class. We had 22 offensive rebounds. It's pretty great. Zion is just an incredible offensive rebounder and disruptor after the shot goes up. Uh, in addition to all his other, yeah, yeah, you know, he's a pretty, pretty amazing blocker. He's a pretty amazing dunker. Even though he missed a a standstill dunk, which yeah, we, uh, we lose by two. Yeah. yeah, and then you think you think back to the Trey thing also, right? Yeah. 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 Trey and Zion both miss wide open dunks. Trey wasn't really showboating, but just a I was little. Surpri- I, I was surprised he went for the dunk. I, I was, I was frankly very surprised he went for the dunk there. I mean, I, eh, I mean, yeah, I don't know. you know, I don't know. The, the floor was slippery. People were slipping. Yeah, I was. You know, I, I took a little bit of issue with with the officiating right at the end. Uh, Where they called the whistle. Where yeah. Jack White, I thought my guy hit a little bit on his. Jack White back. got fouled on that on that on that putback. Absolutely, I slowed it down and watched it. I I get yeah. it on the RJ call at the end. I don't know that he deserved that call. Um, but yeah, you know, a lot of things had to break wrong. By the way, Gonzaga also shot ten of nineteen from three. Now those were mostly open shots, but still, yeah. uh, they, I mean, they ran they ran good there. Yeah, they shot great. I mean, they Especially shot over fifty percent from the field and fifty percent from three. I want to say in the first half they shot something even more ridiculous, like seventy percent, something like that, from the field. Um, yeah, I mean they played fantastic. They're probably only going to get better. Um, I did want to go back to Trey. You know, Trey is probably sick of all the comparisons with Tyus, but to continue uh, that comparison. Um, through the first three three or four games of the season, I wasn't sure if Trey was going to look for a shot as much, and I was happy to see throughout the development of the of the, this tournament, um, he was looking to score. You know, he was taking shots, he was slashing, he was finishing. When we were down, I want to say 15 or so, he was really the guy who was getting us back in, including with the steal. And so I'm happy that he's not simply just a facilitator, Looking for assists and then and then going into corner. He's also actively looking for a shot. So I was very happy to see that because if the DNA, you know, shares the same DNA as Ties, Ties won us so many games in 2015 against elite uh, opponents. I thought Trey played incredibly well in general. Uh, he looks to me like a first round pick, you know, late first rounder, and I, I love I love the style of play in general. Yeah. And the whole team, the whole team competed. It really competed, yes. led by him. You yes. know, say what you want about Barrett. He wanted it on his shoulders, you know. Yeah. So yeah. they all, all of them, all of them seemed to want to take shots. They wanted to, to, to be in there. They were competing hard. They could have, they could have folded in this, this game against Gonzaga. They, they were down double digits. They were down 15. Were they down 16? They were down at least 14 points. And they were down 16 in, this, in, like, in the second half. Yeah, and, and, and it was a little demoralizing. I, I was getting demoralized watching the game, but they kept fighting. Uh, yeah. And they were fired up, and they, they played their heart out. So 
hats off for the effort. Um, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. I, I, w- I would say for sure they, you know, obviously this team is filled with competitors. I would like to see them tighten up just a little bit because I feel like because of the first five games were so easy, I feel like maybe they take certain possessions for granted or they're a little bit too loose with the ball. I saw Zion inbound the ball a little bit carelessly and it got stolen. Mm-hmm. Um, layups not going up with conviction or dunks without conviction and, and missing, but just like valuing each possession like it's gold because in Sweet 16, Elite 8 games, games against, you know, top 10, top 5 opponents like this, it's going to come down to one or two buckets and you got you got to value each possession. Well, they're going to talk about this game all year, and they're going to be able to teach those lessons. And I think these guys want to learn those lessons. You know, uh, because they're so competitive, I bet you they don't want to lose again. And I think they're going to take take the game film from, from these games, especially the last game, and it's going to make them better. Um, I have a little list of, of the things that, that I thought they need to work on in general through the season. Yeah. Things I'm going to kind of judge them on. It's sort of based on this, this the last couple of games. One is the hero ball, the tendency to, to force it and take it on their own shoulders, and not not necessarily um, you know find find their teammates and, and set each other up um, because they're all sort of used to being so good. Yeah. Um, and and so are you are you for that particular point? Are you speaking primarily to RJ and maybe Cam a little bit, or are you throwing in? Zion also and anybody else? Uh, even Trey. I thought Trey down the stretch got so sort of uh, zealous in his pursuit of the comeback. Yeah. He, you know, that one possession, he, he, he really made a tough drive. Then he got up, stole the inbounds ball immediately, and, and just kind of ran right into someone and just tried to force it up and then got but, the rebound again and missed again. And like, yeah, I thought both of those. Out. I thought I thought yeah. both those shots were very poor decisions. Very poor. And then, yeah, right after that, I think he had another possession. Actually, it might have been the possession before he made that drive and 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 make. But he he made another sort of drive. It was just a little too much, you yeah. know. Just and look, they're freshmen, right? But and, uh, and we and we say that, but both Trey <laughs> and RJ and Zion. I mean, they made multiple multiple buckets by doing what we're criticizing right now. I mean, I'm, makes, I'm not criticizing their, their aggression. Sometimes it's there, sometimes it isn't. Of course yeah. there's going to be drives that end up looking a little ugly because they, somebody made a good defensive play or a good rotation. But, uh, you know, RJ was 9 for 25 for a reason. He was 7 for 20 in the last game for a reason. It's, it's just a little too predictable. Um, yeah. Zion early in the game was, was jumping – and we talked about his ability to improvise in the air, but you know, against better teams that rotate better, that that are, are more talented, that are more physically uh, sort of even with yeah. us, and they're not quite physically even athletically, but you did that. You have that Brandon to Clark kid teams. was 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 very athletic. The Brandon Clark <laughs> kid was great, and uh, yeah. Um, Hachimura was obviously good. Uh, but, yeah, I mean. Yeah, I, so I don't I, think it's I just that. I, 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 I was pretty was. happy with Zion. I mean, I thought when he attacked the basket, he was a little bit loose with his dribble earlier in the game. But when he attacked the basket mm-hmm. mid to late games, I thought he succeeded. You know, I thought he was pretty good. As I mean, as, uh, he, as he should be. He was incredible in the second half of the game. I mean, he yeah. made 
he, he made tons of plays on both ends of the court. I, I just love he's diving all over the place. You know, it, yeah, he's, uh, he's I, an exemplar I sort of, I sort of, of effort. Yeah, I sort of wish towards the end when it, when it was just one on one, if if he could just you know flash to the free throw line, we'd give him the ball and he could have multiple options. You know, like his his first step, his first dribble is so quick. I mean, it's he he almost always has a chance to beat his uh, initial defender off the dribble. It's an absolute sin. And this that is my next touch the ball more. It's an absolute sin that that Cam, you know, RJ and 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 Zion. That's a good pick and roll. Cam and Zion should be happening all the time, you know, because Cam can just pull up and shoot. He's more of a shooting threat, and but Trey as well, because Trey Trey's a better passer. So yeah, but there's really no reason Alex O'Connell shouldn't be getting some minutes and running pick and rolls with Zion Williamson. You get the best shooter on the team and the best slasher on the team. The be- Zion doesn't set the greatest screen so far that I've seen. Yeah. Um, I, would, I would. I would. I would just be screening all over the court. He should be screening two or three times a possession. You know, yeah. If if, if they do sl- get slowed down, um, go ahead, slow us down. We're gonna we're gonna launch this weapon at you. And yeah. at the end, he was just sort of standing on the perimeter, sort of a not that big a three point threat. And even his man could help down uh, on Barrett making those drives. So so yeah, I think I that was that was a sin. So that's my number three point is not running those kind of pick and rolls, especially having Zion on the team. Um, do you want to make a point about that? Yeah, if there is one pick and roll that is run for Alex O'Connell, I will just lose my crap because I'm – Well, a- I'm just pointing out, like, there's things that they're not taking advantage of. There's strength yeah, in the team right. they're not taking advantage of. Having Alex O'Connell just sitting in the, in the, uh, with the sideline three – you know, rather than jabbing, crowding the lane, I understand you lose something on defense, but you know they should be they should be throwing that look at teams more often, especially good teams, because you need that outlet. It's just Jack White should have shot more corner threes in this game, but but just they weren't they weren't looking to kick it out as much. Um, hey, Mike, you're breaking up a little bit. Can you can you hear me? Uh, I can hear you fine. Okay. So my end's recording, so hopefully the, the listeners are not getting an issue. Okay. Uh, I got a couple more quick points sort of on things they can work on. Uh, on on the uh, on the defensive end, which we haven't really talked about too much yet, uh, it, I mentioned this before. I think they're, we talked about this. I think they're too consistently and predictably helping down off shooters. And they really, they really got exposed for that in this game. I mean, there were so many open threes, and it was Trey, Zion, Cam, especially Javin. Uh, they're always helping down, even in situations where there doesn't really need to be help. There's so many times where I hit pause after a three pointer went up that was open, and there was three guys in the lane and only one, one zag, you know, in there. And it was just like, why do they all need to be in there? Like, like the cardinal sin is helping off, helping off the, the corner three or, or any very capable three-point shooter. That yeah. combined with Bolden just not being able to match up with shooters in space and sort of always playing under screens, it, it just led to a lot of these open looks. Uh, I just yeah. think that's something that they need to address. 
They need to tell these guys, hey, you don't need to make a big defensive play every team, every every possession. Stay on your man. You know, like the I do feel like those are principles that Duke generally teaches, but the last couple of seasons just feels like we get burned as more and more teams play these four or five out looks. And Gonzaga's spacing was great. And even their big men could shoot and that's what we don't have with Bolden. He doesn't he's not a threat to shoot. He's yeah. not he doesn't space on offense and he gets exposed by good spacing from the other team. He was really being targeted on switches and uh screens, screen and rolls early in the game and, and they they couldn't even play him um much in the second half. Uh so at least they recognize that. Um and then, yeah, then I, I, I recall in the game, Bill, Bill's made a comment about how, I mean, the, the, the Gonzaga guy that was most often double team was Rui Hachimura. And, um, I think when they doubled him, uh, Billis was criticizing, uh, I think RJ Barrett mostly for not helping off his perimeter shooter to come down for, for the other post guy who was open he for wide open layup. He mentioned that the rotation was not made, but there was no reason for Bolton to go over and double on that play where he, he found, it was like the most obvious pass. It was still a really good pass. But yeah. Bolden went over there kind of aimlessly on that possession. Yeah. It was yeah. when he was on the left side of the lane, he came over to the right side of the lane to help. Yeah, just to start off the second but, half. But there's just no – one, there's no reason to double. If you're going to go and double, you better do it so aggressively that the guy is panicked and can't make the right pass. And then, of course, the rotation should happen. But now yeah. you got three guys in the lane, and they got – they got three guys spaced on the perimeter, ready to shoot a three. So instead of making that pass, you get an open three because we got our three guys versus two in the lane. So that that's sort of what I'm talking about. And right. uh, you know, I also thought not only did they miss some rotations, but they they sort of failed to box out. Um, Zion, it, we talked about this with Bagley last yeah, year. Yeah, I, I saw um, him with Zion especially. Yeah, relying on just sort of jumping over people and it's sort of a fundamental issue. But I saw it with Zion, I saw it with Radish, I saw it with Barrett, kind of getting caught watching the rebound and knowing they can just sort of jump to the ball. Um, that that hurts against, that can really, you know, hurt against a team as good as Gonzaga. Uh, and then I also thought during the middle stretch of the game, uh, they actually failed to get back. Uh, I particularly noticed Barrett on one or two possessions kind of did get back, but didn't get back sort of strongly enough. Um, overall, it's not the problem that it was last year. Those are the yeah. main things I noticed on defense. There's a lot to work on. And, you know, I think they actually have a pretty high ceiling on defense, especially um, especially if they get their, their, you know, player rotations right about who's in the game and how to adjust with, with strategy. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. minus this game, I thought their health defense for this season has been very good. I mean, it always yeah. seems like they're helping each other out, and and maybe like maybe this game they're they helped out too much. Yeah, I think in general they're just they're helping too much. They're trying to do a little too much, and they don't always need to. Yeah, but you know they only turned Gonzaga over eleven times, so that aggression didn't didn't produce results. Auburn only turned the ball over nine times. So there, again, you know, to the extent they, they doubled, they did it less, um, that aggression didn't exactly pay pay huge results. And San Diego State only turned the ball over 13 times. So it's not as if the 
you know, helping off these shooters is, is resulting in um, well, yeah. I mean, you're saying you're saying turnover. only, but I think nine to thirteen is 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 like That's either great. normal. I feel like thirteen is is maybe a tad high. I mean, I don't think that's a, a low figure. Uh, I think I think nine and ten is is pretty low, and I think thirteen is just sort of average. Um, yeah, but I, this, I would you know we're three quarter court pressing in spots. Yeah, uh, you know which is which is fun, which is like sort of a a nice way to put them on their heels and kind of been effective this season. I don't think everything they're doing is wrong. I just think they're they're just verging on doing it too much. You know, yeah. like, uh, it's like blitzing too often in the NFL, you're just going to get burned, you know, unless you have the greatest blitzers and, uh, you know, anyhow. Um, so if, yeah, you, the, if, the, if you ran the team, you would just bury Bolden. Is that what you're saying? When Bolden's in there, he should be screening on the perimeter and rolling hard to the basket. Yeah. He shouldn't be in the low post. We have There's no benefit to him trying to post up. There was one really brilliant possession where they worked it around the perimeter and they found an angle to enter the ball to him and he, he got a dunk. And against Auburn, he was really good crashing the glass. And yeah. he, was, he was also playing in that sort of spot kind of uh, by the by the bottom block on the right side. It's a slot that Casey Sanders and Ryan Zubek sort of made a living playing in, in similar roles for the Duke offense in years past. And I, I see Coach K putting Javin and Marquise in there, but they're, I don't think either of them is consistently effective enough at catching, make, you know, flashing, making himself available enough to really have that be more advantageous than, than what's a disadvantage. And the disadvantage is their defenders are just, Liberally being able to double and not paying a big cost, uh, and especially this year, guy, we, we we can get to the rim one on one. We don't we want to discourage double teaming. That's why I think we, we have to have guys that space the floor that can spot up on the three. Um, the guys like Jack White and Alex O'Connell in the game more often. I don't think we always need one of these guys. When they came back down the stretch in the Gonzaga game, yeah. like their strongest stretch of play involves Zion playing the five and Jack White being in there with yeah. the with the four freshmen. And I don't think it was, was an accident. Jay Billis, even in the Auburn game, kept mentioning, oh, what a joke plus minus is they're actually losing with Marquise in the game. I, I think I think there's a lot of intangibles that just sort of don't show up in the box score and that tell you why guys like that hurt hurt the team. Um yeah, Coach K said after the uh, Gonzaga game that, uh, I mean, somebody asked him, like, uh, why Duke's driving in the second half was so much better than the first half. And, I mean, he basically said because Bolden was sitting and the lane was open. Yeah. 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 He said, he said it, it was, it's, I mean, it's sort of easy. It's even better if Javin wasn't down there. Javin's a weak offensive player that anyone can, can double off of. Yeah. You know? Yeah, wouldn't it, why wouldn't it be better? Why wouldn't it be better down the stretch on big offensive possessions to call a timeout, right? Call a timeout, set a play or not set a play, but at least stick Alex O'Connell in the corner where it keeps the defender honest and makes you play four on four instead right. of four on five. 
Yeah. No, no brain. Or, or, or better yet, Cam Reddish, who was inexplicably on the. Oh bench. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So there's a lot to work on. Uh, I think the coaching staff is going to figure this out. I don't think I don't think it's that complicated. I'm glad Marquise had a great game against Auburn, and we should probably talk about that a little more. Um, <laughs> except, except, except you hate Marquise Bolden. No, I just think even in that game, I don't, I don't, I don't think you don't like, think it was that big a deal. I don't know. One of the one of the guys I follow on Twitter, and I'm an Eagles fan, yeah. was talking early in the season how he hopes Dak, Dak Prescott, how he hopes the Cowboys have a pretty good season. They signed Dak Prescott to a long term contract because he thinks Dak Prescott's not that good. Yeah. And if I was Gonzaga and I was watching the Auburn game, I'd be like, man, I hope Marquise Bolden has a big game so they play in big minutes against us because we know exactly we know exactly uh, how to take advantage of his presence in the game. Um, and yeah, they did. I mean, Gonzaga was really aggressive uh, looking for the matchups they wanted, and it didn't seem like we really, you know, did did a whole lot, it, like force defensive switching to get them – a favorable matchup. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I I agree. I agree. We, we're not we're not running stuff. We're not. We could, you know, I feel like we're playing at an intelligence. We've played the Gonzaga game on offense as at an intelligence level of like a four or five out of ten, and Gonzaga played an intelligence level of like eight out of ten in terms of game plan, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and we almost beat them anyways. And right. they're arguably the best best team in the country, right? They got yeah. number one votes. Kansas, those, those guys, and you know, Kansas will uh, be pretty good too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I love that we're playing such a tough schedule. I'll tell you that much. Um, yeah. I don't love the Giants picking up early fouls in the game on plays he doesn't need to. Yeah, that, that especially the first couple of games of the tournament. Yeah. For sure, and I, and I don't love that he's he's getting not as many not as many kind of uh, shots when he's our most he's clearly going to be our most efficient scorer. Yeah. So uh, he he did get 17 shots in this game, which if there were no RJ Barrett would be the leader on the squad. But I agree with you. He should have certainly touched the ball way more than the one time he did the last two minutes of the game. We notice every time he touches the ball, he's got the gravity of the sun. Like, yes. Like everyone so has to look at him. Yeah. yeah. Everyone's got to crowd over to him, and even just entering the ball to him and having him kick it right back out should generate an open three a lot of the time. So, you know, again, it's, that's the sin of RJ Barrett sort of holding the ball and going one on two or one on three. Now the stretch when you could kick it into you could. Set something for Zion or receive a receive a, a pass off a screen, and even if he doesn't have have it clear for him, he could quickly make a decision. And he is, does seem like a good decision maker. Yeah, um, on the whole, for sure. On the whole, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how about those block shots from all over the court? He's he's. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he's so good. Like. I, I feel like he's going to break an opponent's hand at some point this season on some ferocious, ferocious block. Yeah, he really gets after. He had five steals against San Diego State. You know, his steals plus blocks is uh, is pretty, pretty cool. 
pretty cool to watch. He had two steals and four blocks against Gonzaga. He he um he closes out on three pointers. Even when he doesn't block it, they feel him coming. And it's a problem. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember if if it was him or if it was Marquise Bolden, but they both have blocked three point shots, which is very, very hard to do. Yeah. Bolden Bolton had one. At least one. Yeah. In the previous uh, game, yeah. Yes, it's actually a decent number of his blocks. There were a couple possessions uh, down the stretch where I thought Zion could have could have gone for a block and didn't. Um, but you know, you can't you can't make a big play every every time down court. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cam Cam, Cam didn't have a great uh, a great game today. You know, yeah, he started off slow at like 0 for 6 or 1 for 7. He did have a pretty strong uh, first half of the second half. Like the beginning of the second half, I think he made a, a few buckets and, and got into it. And then he sort of like picked up a fourth foul and then never like, – he just was on the bench for a little bit too long, I think. I think what happened is they were playing well without him. Yeah, yeah. And they were making the run and just good as well with the horses that were in the game, you know. It just, it just doesn't make sense, though. I mean, like, you know, like, you and I have watched Duke games for 20 years. I'm super critical of everyone, but especially Coach K. But when you're down by two points, don't you want your best shooters in the game? Like, you're down points. You have to overcome a deficit. You want you, you need your shooters in the game. Just crazy. Yeah. No, yeah. And he tightens up the rotation, right? So, so they were playing kind of a deeper rotation. We were like, oh, this is nice. And then, uh, you know, tight game against Auburn. Rotation really tightens up. And yeah. they're, they're down to seven. And the Javin only playing ten minutes. The other Goldwire and O'Connell only get three. And against Gonzaga, it's, it's even tighter. Yeah. <laughs> with, with you know, Trey Jones played 39 minutes in each game. RJ Barrett played 39 minutes in each game. Right. Right. Um, it's always Zion, good in these games Zion's to see like, who Coach K trusts. Like you can tell right away because <laughs> if he doesn't, if he has even a little bit of you know question in terms of trusting you, you're not going to play more than three or four minutes. Yeah, and Goldwire and O'Connell are clearly not not on the list. You know, um, and yeah, Bolden, actually, I think also Goldwire. Goldwire has has been getting some run. Um, you've noticed that. I mean, not not against Gonzaga. But in the previous, I want to say, three or four games, he's been in the game a decent amount, which I I was a little bit perplexed about. Well, Goldwire looks – he looks right on the court. You know, he kind of looks like the uniform fits him the right way. He he seems athletic. He seems yeah. kind of long. He can – He's a, I think he's a pretty good defender right. uh, in terms of team defense. I just wish – I just wish he was – a three-point shooter, you know. Like a I wish, shooter, yeah. Yeah, I just wish he was a three-point shooter. I wish he was a better playmaker, but um, he's only a sophomore, and right. and I, I I actually think he's going to be a pretty good program player, and I hope he gets minutes so he can develop. I hope O'Connell gets minutes so he can develop, because none of these other guys are going to be here next year, you yeah. know, none of them. Um, I'm pretty sure know, Joey Davis is going to be there next year. Well, yeah, we're going to have a new crop in. Uh, you know, Jack White will be here, but um, you know, I, I don't. Re- it's hard to say what Goldwire is because he gets such limited minutes. 
obviously he's not like a beast uh, or he'd play more. <laughs> and yeah, I know no, he I mean, was recruited I mean, outside was, the top 200. Uh, yeah. He's sort of like a last, he's a last minute pickup, but like, you know, he, he, he was subbed into the game. He's subbing out a trade just to get a breather. But yeah. with the composition of our team, like RJ, Cam, Zion, they, they can all bring up the ball. You know, I, I just, I just thought it was a little bit confusing or perplexing that he was getting some playing time in the previous, you know, three games. Um, apparently. Talk about Jack did, White? So, uh, sure. How much do you love Jack White? What's that? How much do you love Jack White? I I, I love this kid. I, I love what he does. He got called him a couple fouls in this game. I didn't think he, he deserved. Uh, I, yeah. I, I love I love his presence on both ends of the court. I love what he does on offense with the spacing. He's shooting really well. He's probably running good, but still. Oh, I uh, actually I actually think he's he's um, probably a better shooter than his shooting numbers indicate. I feel like, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, he's what's he shooting like thirty four, thirty five percent from three. I actually think he's a better shooter than that. Seems like he never misses. He was two for four against San Diego State from three, one for one against Gonzaga, one for three against Auburn. So in this tournament, he was uh, four of eight, and then the the previous two games, uh, Eastern Michigan and Army, he was only four of eleven. Um, I guess he didn't shoot well in the first game against Kentucky. Uh, since the Kentucky game, he's he's basically shooting, you know, forty. Yeah. Okay. So he's at thirty thirty eight percent. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, he's, he's very he's, small he's, sample size. I, I like the way his shot looks. I like how like calm he is. His demeanor is very calm when he shoots it. He doesn't look nervous at all. Right. Um, Jack White and Alex O'Connor should be getting more three point attempts. Cam Reddish should be getting a lot of three point attempts. Um, and we, you know. Um, I, I will say I will say he's probably the least respected offensive player. So when he has a wide open three, he's got a lot of time for it. That's why some of those wide open threes look so smooth. I did feel like there were a couple of windows where he could have attempted a relatively open three early on in the shot clock, down the stretch when the game was on the line, and he passed on it. So. I don't know. Yeah, I'd exactly. see him uh, be willing to take that shot a little more. He's right. got 26 minutes a game. Right. And he's – I I, I love he's the still lineup. Deferring. He's, yeah, yeah, he's still deferring in terms of offensive, you know, that alpha, I, I better give RJ the shot, I better give Cam the shot. But when that little sliver is there and he's at a wide-open three, if he has that much belief in himself, I mean, he should be taking that shot. And and, and that goes for all these guys. Like, Alex O'Connell, I think, is the same way. You know, they're not – looking for their shots because I don't think, yeah. I think I mean, Jack White is looking for his shot, and I think he's 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 very comfortable shooting that corner three. And yeah. very comfortable, you know, when somebody closes out on him, uh, taking that first step and, and, and moving towards the basket, sometimes finishing. I think I think he actually decision-makes pretty well in those spots. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he's as comfortable from the top of the key or kind of, uh, you know, anywhere else on the court. But uh, that's all he needs to do. That's all yeah, he needs I'm, to do in this offense. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I never saw this coming. I never saw this coming. Because, you know, like he had that one game last year, which was on ESPN, and Grayson was just giving him all all kind of props, and he got interviewed after the game. He, he probably had like, you know, three steals or 
he was diving for loose balls and he might have converted like two three point shots. And Let me ask you a question, Pete. Yeah. Could we have used someone that could rebound, play defense with discipline, get back on defense, and maybe even shoot an occasional corner three last year on last year's team? Uh, yeah. yeah. Could we have used this human being on the court last year? I mean, was he not this good last year? Probably not as good, but, you know, I saw, we saw him play a little bit. We talked about the fact that he rebounds and drives strong and, like, the shot doesn't look that bad. We talked about it last year, and he didn't he didn't shoot much last year. But I, I just remember thinking, I remember thinking, boy, this guy could be a role player, like a useful role player. Too bad Coach Jay's never going to play him, but he's earned it this year. He's a captain. Yeah, <laughs> he must he must really he must have really stepped up. Um, yeah, he, he must have really stepped up. Yeah. They're they're all talking about it. Coach K made that joke about you know he views him as. Matt Harpering, um, like you can tell when when he's on the floor, he's on the floor so much now in dead ball situations. Like he's the guy gathering the guys around, and he's typically the guy like barking out some type some type of instructions. Um, just sort of like the quintessential glue guy. And I think I think like they're trying to elevate the role players, which clearly he is. Yeah, I'll be shocked if he's not starting by the end of the year. You'll be shocked if he's not starting. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, you and Devin spoke about a death lineup. Could definitely be a death lineup. All right, so um, that was the uh, the Maui Invitational. It was a really fun basketball to watch. Uh, you know, it was. I, thought it we was, gonna, I actually thought we were going to win the game down the stretch, but um, we got a big game against Indiana. Uh, next Tuesday, so six days from now, at home yeah. in Cameron. Yeah. That's sort of the last big non-conference game, last, like, big one. Uh, um, we I, we have another inexplicable non-conference game on the schedule, like, a month from now, Texas Tech at home. I don't know how that got on the schedule, but I, I'm if, correct me if I'm wrong, I think Texas, I think Texas Tech was a three-seed last year. They, they almost knocked off Villanova and, like, the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight game, like they gave Villanova a run for their money for sure. Chris Beard was is the head coach. He was supposed to come to UNLV, backed out, went to Texas Tech, his his home school. So I mean that's going to be another good team, like a top 10, 15, 20-ish team. Uh, should be another good test for us. I think they're currently unranked, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're ranked by then. That's for sure. Okay. Um, you know, uh, their best cold player is a guy named Jarrett Culver. I'm just looking at it now. He's a sophomore guard, and he's he's shooting a high percentage from three, scoring 18 a game. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I think they're like top 12 or 15 on Ken Palm. Uh, yeah. Tech is, I believe. Looks like they have a deep team. Deep team, and um, but they're yeah, yeah. We'll see. I'll do, do a little more study. <laughs> they're five and zero to start the year, so that's. That's a home game, probably, right? Yeah, I think it's a road we'll, game at Texas Tech. Uh, we won't play a road game anywhere at any <laughs> point in the preseason. What are you talking about? James <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. Williams called out Coach K about never playing in home games or never playing two road games until you know conference conference uh, schedule kicks in. Well, we had a home and home. We had a uh, we had a home and home against Michigan a long time ago. 
right? We we did it with St. John's. We might still do it in St. John's. We kind of paid the price for the St. John's road games over the last we 10 lost, years. We lost, we lost a, few. a couple of them. Yeah. Yeah. We lost one in Cameron to St. John's. But uh, that's besides the point. Uh, yeah, so we got Indiana. That'll be, a, that'll be a good game. And then it's Stetson, Hartford, Yale, Princeton. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then, um, yeah, uh, right before Christmas, Texas Tech. Yeah, that's, that's basically a, a month later. And then the first ACC game, January fifth against Clemson, uh, at home. Um, and then it really, it really gets going. Then, yeah. Are you are you done, Mike? There's one other thing I want to mention. Uh, yeah, those uh, are my notes. Yeah, go ahead. Any, what, what else should we talk about? Did you have time to take a look at any of the Earn Everything, the Duke uh, eight episode, little uh, all all inclusive type of look at their program on ESPN Plus? I haven't yet. I was planning to there, keep putting it off. Talk uh, to me. Yeah, there was there was uh, just a few things I want to talk about. One. One, the coaches were in a film session, breaking film down just like you're doing. And they were, like Shire in particular, I mean, they're raving about Marquise Bolden, raving about him. And this is before the Auburn game. This is like a month, month and a half ago. And you remember Ricky oh Price talking God. about how Marquise Bolden has is like one of the best players in practice. <laughs> I mean, he must be showing this type of stuff in practice. I did also mean to say... So they were looking at game tape and raving no, no. about Marquis, right? Scrimmage. Yeah, scrimmage. Any game. I think scrimmage. Okay. I think okay. scrimmage. But also in the Auburn game, like, most of the time Marquis only plays two, three, maybe four-minute stretches, you know? I felt like Auburn was the first game where he was allowed to play, like, eight to ten minutes. And I don't remember if it was, like injury-related or conditioning-related, but he was always played in spurts. And so I feel like maybe Zion was an early – he was in early foul trouble. You know, yeah. Picked up two in the first half pretty fast. And, and so Marquise Mar- Mar- needed to be on the floor as the big. I, I think so. I think that's what okay. happened. Okay. And well, he's playing decent, so. so. So the takeaway is, one, the coaches probably like Marquise a lot more than you do. And, two – they were they were breaking breaking down all that stuff on film. Like I I really wish we could see their film sessions for last year's squad because, like you and I belabored to death. I mean, there's just so many different fundamental things that the team was sort of bad at. Um, so that was that was pretty cool. So there's another be, be a good question for like Ricky Price or, or someone yeah. like that. Like, how often is it the case that guys just light it up in practice and freeze up in the games, like on a consistent basis. Like you, you sometimes hear about a guy being a great practice player and not really showing it in the games. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> terrible yeah. example, but the 76ers are talking about how Marco Fultz uh, was just tearing up training camp. And then the games start and he's still got the issues. So I don't know if it's that, 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 that type of mental issue for, for Bolton or anything, but, but, you know, how often does that happen with guys? Like, um, I'm just curious to know, like, I would think most of the time the guys who are showing out in practice are the guys that show out in the games. Um, right. 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 Yeah. Unless, I mean, unless there are people who freeze up under the lights, I mean, Duke plays under the brightest lights and with maybe with 
no one around in practice and no pressure, no real game on the line. You know, people can shine. I don't know. Um, but, you know, clearly he did it one time. It's possible. If he could do it at a consistent level, I, I think that would be great. I mean, you you obviously disagree, but I I feel like we could use that well, kind of Well, if he could play, if he was as active and as he was against Auburn, yeah, and you would take play it. that well every game. My position would change. Right. And look, I was I was happy for him, but I also was thinking, boy, this means they're not going to bench him, and <laughs> I'm afraid I'm afraid just tactically it's a mistake to to have him on the court. He, yeah, the, yeah, he has chinks in the armor, and this team's I, I just I don't know why uh, we're not looking to play it go smaller and play Zion at the five more. Um, even if it leads the other team to, it almost like, it's almost like they, uh, Coach K hates the idea of the other team getting interior baskets more than wide open threes. And in today's game in basketball, the way things are going, yeah, that's the incorrect position to take. And it's old school, right? And the, it used right. to be the opposite, you know, but now everyone, every decent basketball player in the country coming up is spending all their time working on three-point shots. And yes. you play, you play yes. good teams, and one through five, they can hit the three. One through five, I know they're practicing shooting threes. Like, their centers, they put up these little video snippets of the, the center hitting, like, 47 out of 53. Yeah, I, I, I get it. Everyone's everyone's going for the three-point shot. Yeah, it's a different game. Yeah. A different game. Um, yeah, there, there was, there was uh, two other things. One, um, you, you remember when the... The school year started, there was like a hurricane scare, or there was a hurricane in North Carolina, and there was an evacuation. Do you recall this? Like in September, maybe? In, in, in any case, the yeah, whole yeah. team, the whole campus, I believe, I don't know, had to evacuate. And so the ESPN crew went with it – was a, it was a weird combination. It was Brennan Basser who went with Antonio Vrankovich back to Brennan Basser's hometown of Chicago – and they met up with Wendell Carter in some, like, small little deli. And they're just talking, catching up. And uh, I just thought it was really interesting that Antonio Brankovich was talking to Wendell. They're talking about how the team's going. And Antonio Brankovich was like, oh, we're good this year. This year we all get along. We hang out even off the court, you know. And I'm just like, did he really say that? Because the inference is last yep. year had a lot of, you know, schisms and people w- didn't really get along. You know, like, I mean, he didn't say that, but that is the... Were you surprised? Takeaway. I mean, you're surprised he said that out loud on camera, but are you, are you, if that's the case, I mean, that, is that something that surprises you? I'm surprised Coach K didn't get final cut. Um, ah, I hear you. Interesting. But, so, yeah, like, so, I mean, I guess that could speak to maybe some of the dysfunctionality of last year's team, but also gives us all the optimism optimism of this team that they're all good friends that they all get along and you know there shouldn't be off-court drama with this team so that i mean that was there shouldn't, that was, there shouldn't be i mean and then i guess that that leads me to the point I, I wanted to sort of make earlier but didn't yeah and i made so many points and i apologize but uh it's all good cam, cam reddish how was cam reddish feeling about yeah slightly about marginalized. about rj barrett forcing up 25 shots, and he wasn't in there. I mean, I guess he's feeling like maybe it's his fault because he picked up all those fouls. But 
you know, might cracks appear. You know, it, it's sort of easy during the off season for everyone to be together, or it should be at least. Um, I, but yeah, I love that these guys look like they want to compete together. I love Zion screaming in Roger Barrett's face, and they're picking each other up. Uh, Cam, Cam seems like slightly apart from it, but I uh, want to see Cam get more involved. I mean, it, I'm not saying yeah, he just seems yeah. like such an easygoing type of person um, that maybe he's not as fierce or as intense as the other guys. He just seems much more mild mannered, and I think the coaches are getting on his case for not speaking and not communicating on defense. And he's sort of more like, yeah, whatever. I'll let, I'll let my smooth game speak for itself. Um, no, he only had, he had three fouls against Auburn, right? Yeah. And, and against Gonzaga, he had four. Yeah, he picked um, up, yeah. So basically he played 25 minutes in each game. I don't know if in the Auburn game it was because of that. Um, he He's looking like the number three, you know, and I, I just wonder if his people – and he might get sensitive to the idea that everyone's talking about the other two guys. Um, yeah, I mean, I could see yeah. that. I mean, well, he, I mean, had, to, we he had, had to. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he he had to have known coming in that RJ was one and Zion had this huge following. But I mean, as long as he keeps shooting, like this guy is shooting eighteen of nineteen from the free throw line. He's shooting like forty two, forty three percent from three. As long as he's if he puts up those types of numbers, you have to ask yourself, isn't that the guy we want shooting 25 times a game, 20 times a game, 15 times a game? You know, shouldn't he be getting more shots? Yeah. Uh, RJ's free throws have been uh, inconsistent as well, but we expected that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, well, the, the, yeah. The, fi- the final thing was, was – um, uh, Coach K gave a little snippet as to, like, it, it made me understand a little bit more uh, the way he handles Alex O'Connell. Um, he was just talking about some of the, the sophomores, Coach K was, so that he has been camera crews. And he was talking about how last year Alex O'Connell and Jordan Goldwire were just a little too giddy and, like, childish, immature. And he wished that, like, an upperclassman uh, could talk to these guys and, and, and in certain situations, certain game situations, tell these guys, hey, you know, settle down, put your game face on, and stop with the joking around, the childishness and the giddiness. And so, like, I sort of feel like Coach K thinks that he is immature, which would explain sort of, I don't know, why he doesn't get the run that, you know, maybe other people think he he deserves. Does Coach K hates him? That's what you're saying? I wouldn't say he hates him. There was there was like just like a weird dynamic. Uh, O'Connell no, was, was, was caught on film talking about an interaction he had with Coach K, and it definitely seemed like it was like um, uh, it, it wasn't like fluid. It wasn't smooth. It was like um, I don't. know. They were just sort of like feeling each other out, you know. And so, eh, it it uh, it was an eye opener a little bit. Sounds like he should cut that hair. <laughs> that's what it sounds like to me. I mean, I, that's what it sounds like. Should, I think I think Alex has had like six or seven different haircuts, and they were, they've all been pretty pretty funky. Yeah, I, I guess I guess on a I can see why Coach K might have a hard time taking him seriously as a, as a 
as an intense competitor. But I, I always think he, he brings it when he gets on the court in terms of energy and effort. Yeah, uh, he tries tries hard. Uh, I, I, he must he must get he must be making mistakes on the defensive end, especially in practice, and just considered soft. Uh, but um, yeah, what he what he offers. I mean, I'll be talking about this all season, and I'll try not to beat a dead horse because he just might be out of the rotation. You know, they played three minutes the last two games, but just feels it, like a mistake. Feels, it feels is a like shame it. because he could possibly be the greatest three-point shooter in Duke basketball history. It's yeah, just shooting it's a possibility. It's, just a, it's a possibility that maybe we should run some sets for this guy or run this guy through uh, numerous screens. Uh, hey, remember Marty Postius? Yes. Like, Marty Postius to you about Marty is like Alex O'Connell is for me. Yeah, I get it. Well, yeah, Marty Postius was 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 Alex O'Connell in, in a way, but he was more experienced. Um, he, was guys, he, was, he was he was built more like um, like Jack White. He was very sturdy. He was lanky, but lanky as well. Um, but he just, I just, it, it was incredible. He didn't play more to me, and he ended up. He went on. Where was he from? This this lineage? Lithuania, Poland, or uh, he he ended up going on to like a like a brilliant international professional career and like you know world championship, Olympic type performances. He scored, ended up scoring like twenty five against Team USA in in the Olympics, if I remember right. And like literally, literally five years before, he couldn't get off the bench at Duke even for like ten minutes a game. His senior year, if he had a senior year, he might have left yeah. after his junior year. No, yeah, back to yeah. Europe. Uh, and it was he did not stick around for senior year. That much I do remember. It was it was pretty frustrating for me as a fan. You know, like I just I just didn't get. It. I never got it. it. Was never explained to me. I feel like they Coach K at least owes us, um, you know, owes us an explanation. You know what happened with. Mar- Marty uh, Poches. Yeah, what happened? <laughs> yeah. What what, what, what what about I I checked in on Chase Jeter. He's starting for Arizona since all those uh five star recruits uh oh, yeah, back Chase there, was at the, took, uh, took back uh, their commitments. Yeah. I mean like Arizona lost all their commitments after the FBI trial thing came out and so now he's starting. He's he's doing reasonably okay, I think putting up something like 13 and 6, um, some pretty solid numbers. Derek Thornton, I think, is also starting for USC. He's not doing that well. I don't know what happened to Derek Thornton. I mean, he's not even replicating, like, the minutes and the usage that he was, you know, at, at Duke as a freshman. So I think he's re- he's regressing. Yeah, it's too bad. That's too bad. He, he could We could have used him, but, you know, he had, uh, he had other thoughts and, yeah, who knows what who knows what happens with these guys? You know, we heard Ricky talk about it in our interview with him. It's just, it's a whirlwind, especially when you transfer, you go to programs. It it, it must be it must be difficult, um, right? You know, uh, and anyway. yeah, I'm looking at Marty Postius in the Euro League. He averaged ten points a game. It's not like he was a superstar in the Euro League, but he had a good I'm, professional career. He, I'm, he I'm did sure, average. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure he did not average. What else O'Connell is averaging from three? Well, here's the thing. I mean, this guy went on to be an international, like, a significant international player, right? Yeah. And actually, uh, pretty accomplished. 
and he played at Duke from 2005 to 2009, and he had a 10-year pro career, right? So anyone who's listening that, that wasn't watching Duke play from 2005 to 2009, those sort of like dark years with Greg Paulus and Josh McRoberts and Demarcus Nelson, right? <laughs> those are fine years, but but they weren't that good. You know, the team could have used a contribution from some guy like this. He ended up having a better pro career than basically all those guys that he couldn't get off the bench, right? He he basically he averaged one one point five a game his freshman year, right? One point nine a game his sophomore year, and you know I guess he had a, a season and an injury his junior year, but. Even in his uh, his final season at Duke, he only played in 22 games. He averaged one and a half. He never averaged more than – he never averaged two points a game at Duke. But in the EuroLeague, he could average 10 a game. You know, it's just unbelievable what happens. Some guys just never get out of the doghouse, never get taken seriously. And sometimes Coach Gay is just wrong, you know. Yeah, um, I mean, Semi Ozile, Michael Benajay. Yeah, we have Zion Williamson. We have Zion Williamson, and uh, so Alex O'Connell, you know, gets pushed to the back page in terms of, like, what we're actually supposed to be talking about right now. And R.J. Barrett, R.J. Barrett and sort of the hero ball, I think, ends up being the story story of the game. Uh, But I'm going to remember that Cincinnati game from 99 and the run they went on after. And how they use it to fuel them. I, I hope this team can do the same. Uh, I hope we learn some lessons. I hope we get better. And I really think this team is going to not disappoint me in terms of its commitment to doing the things that matter to winning. Uh, and uh, I'm excited to see what happens. I'm going to go on a limb and say, yeah, this team, the future is very bright for this team. This team can be very good. Yeah. I mean, they they ran into a really really good team who actually probably played considerably above where they were supposed to play. I mean, Gonzaga played great; they shot great. But a great team who played great, and I think they're supposed to kind of play great a lot of the time. But yeah. um, it's good to know we. It's sort of good good to know that that these guys aren't invulnerable, and they they have lessons to learn. Yeah, it's, it's a good more moment. interesting it's than a good moment. the other the other thing. Yeah, I think it's okay. Yeah, and you know, we played three top ten teams. We beat two of them somewhat. We beat two of the three, and <laughs> we have a team full of freshmen and role players. Yeah, um, and we almost won all three, and we still we're still in position for for all the things. Yeah, I, so. I think we're totally fine. I think so too. Hey, how was the cruise? Cruise was pretty awesome. Um, poker cruise, is that the deal? Was a, it was a poker was cruise. I played a lot of poker with uh, Oral the Bulldog Hershizer, who is trying to become a mixed game player. <laughs> and so, oh, that's uh, very good news for the mixed uh, game in Vegas. Yeah, is, is yeah. It was. It was a. Uh, I mean, yeah, it was a primarily Bellagio crowd. Uh, he, I think he spends about three months. In Vegas, uh, he's good friends with uh, the guy who's sort of running it, and uh, and his wife. Uh, really cool guy, really really smart guy. Um, I was actually taken aback by how 
how intelligent he was um, speaking about baseball and, you know, sabermetrics and modern baseball, the evolution of the game, all, all that type of stuff. And he's also really funny. Like, he's a total ham. The guy. Yeah, I mean, as a pitcher, he he wasn't the most talented or probably yeah. one of the – I mean, in terms of just – he didn't he didn't throw more than, what, 85 probably. And he was a dominant pitcher. You know, just an absolute uh, dominant pitcher. Probably throws faster than 85. But, yeah. yeah I mean, he had like a, throw 90, he, that's for sure. He, he had a – I would say he threw over 90. Um, but he, he had a three-year stretch. You know, he had that one unbelievable 59 consecutive scoreless innings. Um, but but I digress. The, the cruise was great, great weather. Um, good, good people I got to spend some time uh, who I usually only know through poker, you know, sort of outside of the poker setting. And I need, uh, to, correct, I need to correct the record in order as I Google it. He says he maybe threw four pitches in his life that were that were in the mid nineties, and uh, that he eventually got up to to throwing a ninety one mile an hour fastball after like learning some new mechanics. So uh, he could throw at ninety, but it was it was not something he could always do. Uh, so yeah, the poker tour, poker stuff was good. I heard, I actually heard you killed it. Little birdie, uh, little birdie was, told me you you killed it on the cruise. True. Uh, just in case the IRS is listening, <laughs> I can't comment on that. But it was a pretty good trip. Some people thought you did well. <laughs> Maybe they were right. Maybe they were wrong. Yeah, right. it was it was a good trip. It was a good trip. All right, very good, man. Um, cool. Well, it's uh, it'll be good to have you back next week in town. Next one we do, we'll uh, we'll do. I guess we'll do one after the Indiana game. Sure. It'll be good to to sit down and uh, do one and read your facial expression while we talk. Yeah. All right, buddy. Um, All right. Well, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. I guess that's it. Feel free to uh, send us an email if you uh, you have any comments, questions, uh, want to give us feedback. Uh, And uh, I guess we're out. Uh, Go Duke. Right, Pete? Go Duke and happy holidays, happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Um, Thanks for listening. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving, everyone.